After these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father Abraham, Father? And Abraham said, Here I am, my son. Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham said, Here I am. The angel said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Listen to what the Spirit is saying. Thanks be Thanks to God. Be God. <laughs> Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Here's an old rabbinical story about the passage we just heard, which reimagines the conversation between Abraham and God. The first one, where God commands Abraham to go and sacrifice his son Isaac. It imagines the conversation a little longer, like this. God said, take your son. And Abraham said, I have two sons. Your only son, said God. And Abraham said, Each is the only son of his mother. The son whom you love, said God. And Abraham said, Is there any limit to a parent's love? I love them both. And God said, Take Isaac. I suspect what the ancient rabbis wanted us to realize, if we didn't already, is the full, terrifying, heartbreaking implications of this story. Some scholars call it the most troubling story in all of Scripture. We wrestle with it indeed 
What does it mean? Why is it here? Why are we confessing our love for, our trust in a God who would command such a thing? Command a father to sacrifice this long-promised, much-cherished child. Part of the beauty of scripture is how it comes alive in new ways each time we read it. We change and our world changes, and so the story changes too. That's what it means to say that the Bible is a living word. It's not stuck in the past with one meaning that we have to unlock like a treasure box or a clue, but it's always growing, changing, speaking, challenging, meeting us where we are and pushing us to listen to how the Spirit of God is at work right now, right here in the story for us. Now this ancient story has two big dramatic moments and that's usually where our imagination goes. The first is when God tells Abraham to take his only son and go offer him as a burnt offering. God has asked Abraham to go before to a new land, to a new life, to a land that I will show you, says God. This invitation, in the same words, feels very different. So there's that dramatic moment. And then, of course, there's the second one, when Abraham raises his knife and reaches out his hand to kill his child, only to hear the voice of an angel telling him to stop. Both of those moments take your breath away. You don't need to be a parent to grasp the horror of them. If the whole story is unthinkable, it's those two moments that hold the most terror. But in between them, there's something else. There's a journey of three whole days in which father and child are walking toward an unknown future. The story says, so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. And on the third day, he saw the place. There are a lot of complexities about this story. A lot of difficult pieces, and I am not even going to pretend that we could address them all in one sermon. We will not come close. You will for sure have questions I do not answer. I have questions I do not answer. But this is what caught my imagination in the story right here and right now, in these days, in this nation, in this neighborhood, and in my own life. That three-day journey of parent and child toward a sacrifice and a future that they can hardly imagine. You might remember that Abraham has already had a long journey toward Isaac, this son, in the first place. The first time God asked Abraham and Sarah to go, God promised them two big things, land and offspring. And what those two things represent in general is the gift of a future. Abraham and Sarah are already fairly old when God first commands them to go. Along the way, in their going, they do quite a few fairly terrible things in an attempt to secure that future for themselves, figuring that maybe God needs a little help. 
So they lie. They use other people for their own ends. Watch last week's sermon for more about Hagar, the woman that they use to have Abraham's first son, Ishmael. And they scoff at God's repeated promises. But now, finally, they seem on the edge at the beginning of the future they had longed for, the one they had heard God promise all those years ago. They have land, and now they have a son. In other words, they have their future. Maybe more importantly, they also believe they have control over that future. Until God says, in exactly the same words as the last time, go. Go to a place I will show you and do something you cannot even imagine. So for three days, Abraham and Isaac walk, waiting to see what the future will be. Does Isaac know what's coming? We're not sure. Does Abraham really believe he will do this thing? We're not sure. Are they both praying with every single step that the sacrifice in front of them will not be necessary? We'll never know. At the last moment, one sacrifice is not made. That voice from heaven stops Abraham's hand from ending the life of his beloved son. But over those three days, walking slowly toward that mountain, I suspect a lot of other sacrifices were made. And I think it's Abraham in particular who had to make them. Until now, while Abraham has endured difficult circumstances and loss and grief and confusion along the way, he has held fast to the future that God promised him. Maybe more accurately, he's held fast to the way he understood the future God promised him. So all the foolish and stupid and terrible things he's done along the way, he believes were done in service to that future. Who could blame him? And now for three long days, he must walk toward the end of everything he imagined his future to be. He must sacrifice his control over what will happen. He must put away the roadmap that he's created for this long-awaited son. Step by step, hour by hour, he must walk toward an unknown future, preparing to let go of everything he thought he deserved. It's a sacrifice. It's a death. A lot like three days in the tomb will be many, many years in the future, once Jesus is taken down from the cross. Some scholars note that the next major story in Genesis after this one is the death of Sarah. And they note that while Isaac marries and has children and the story does continue through him, Isaac himself has almost no voice at all in the rest of the book. They wonder if the trauma of this moment and this journey, this raised knife and voice from heaven, if it changed not just Abraham, but Sarah and Isaac and everything else that follows. It's pretty hard to believe that it didn't, for better and for worse. I want to be very careful with the language of sacrifice right now. 
Too often we've used that language to oppress or harm, to demean and control. We have told people who are suffering from unjust systems that their sacrifice will have a larger meaning as if they had had a choice about it in the first place. For that reason and, and many others, I wish we knew what Sarah and Isaac's words about this story would be. I wish we could hear their voices. They don't get a choice as the story is told, and it's painful to imagine how they lived through it and with it, how it shaped them from then on, as surely it did. But the way the story is told focuses us on Abraham. So let's do that for now. Abraham, after all, is supposed to be in charge. He's the one with the power. He's the one with the knife. And so he's the one who has to sacrifice his version of the future and acknowledge that God has something different in mind. Sacrifice is easy to talk about until you're the one making it. Here's a really small example, wearing a mask. Do any of us like it? Probably not. It's uncomfortable and strange. And maybe something in us doesn't like being told what to do. But we do it. We put on the mask. Because that very small sacrifice of comfort can and does shape the future for the better. My hope and prayer in these days is that as a nation, we are hearing the call to live in a different way. Much as Abraham hears God's voice more than once to go, go from what you're used to and who you have been and take a journey to a different future. I hope and pray that we are hearing that call right now too, that there is a different way, a better way for us to live. So perhaps we are now in that three-day journey toward the mountain, toward something we can't yet see. And maybe part of what the story asks us to consider today is what we might need to sacrifice as we go. And especially for those of us who have benefited from the way things currently are in the same way that Abraham did. What might we need to let go of? to unlearn, to renounce, to walk away from? What needs to change within ourselves first before we go around asking others to make sacrifices when we're not willing to make them ourselves? How might we need to let go of all the ways we've tried to control the future and be willing to walk towards something different instead? I don't think this story was ever intended to answer questions. I think the story is here to ask us questions, hard ones, and to invite us to simply live with them, to listen to them, to be uncomfortable and learn from it. God is with Abraham the whole way, after all. God is in the long road, in the discomfort, even the fear and the worry. God is waiting with a future it's just not the one Abraham assumed. <clears throat> so we too can undertake hard work. We too can live with discomfort. We too can question and doubt and struggle and wrestle and wonder 
and fail and get up and try again. Because we too are invited <clears throat> into the future that God holds. I can't tie up the story with a nice neat bow. I can't unlock its secrets to make us feel better. I can only say that the story tells us we are on this road with a God of faithfulness and justice and hope, that the road will be hard, that the sacrifices will be hard, and that still and always God says to us, go. Go from what you thought you knew. Go, and I will provide. Amen.